Welcome to episode 127 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the work of writer-director J.J. Abrams, as well as his greater Bad Robot Universe. I'm your host for this week. My name is Marcelo Inostroza, joined as always by my fellow co-host, Matt Crandall. And on today's edition of the show, we'll be talking about Fringe, Season 5, Episodes 4 through 5. So the first episode up in that batch is the episode entitled The Bullet That Saved the World. Edda has been trying to teach people how to keep the observers out. But this is a process that takes a long time because we learn that Peter gets red. He has to fend off this observer while he's at the pawn shop looking for a necklace for his daughter. And it sets off a chain reaction that gets the observers digging deeper into trying to stop Team Fringe's resistance, but also brings back Agent Broyles. Finally, Lance Reddick is just a guest star in this season. He is not a series regular, so he's not going to be in all of them, but he shows back up. And through the course of the episode, we do find out that one of the people that Edda has trained to keep the observers out of the mind is actually Philip Broyles. And this process took about a year. So it was nice to see at the beginning, we're not sure what side Broyles is on because this future Broyles is working with the observers, but he's actually working to help dismantle them from the inside. So I liked that. And having Broyles back, despite the still God awful makeup that they have slapped onto Lance Reddick, that every time there's a close up, I'm like, Oh, what are we doing here? But other than that, I'm glad that Broyles is back. I like that. The main through line of this story was all about retrieving parts of the plan that Walter in watching one of the tapes, they realize that he has hidden the plan in a spot that he used to hide stuff in as a child. So I like that, but also we get the observers getting smarter and knowing that team fringe is maybe in the old lab and all of this stuff going on that really escalates the tension as this episode goes. I really like that in this episode, I mean, I hinted at, you know, that for I hinted at a couple a couple episodes a couple episodes ago that for Olivia to really understand the situation that she was in and the world that she was in that she was gonna have to go she was gonna have to endure a loss and that Peter and her were going to endure a giant giant loss. So, with that being said, at the end of this episode, I was just gonna I just wanted to say. I was so pissed off, but 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 we'll we'll get to that in just a second. Um, I really really enjoyed that in this episode uh, when Walter and the Fringe team go into the lab. Walter gets uh, uh, the idea to use to use um, uh, uh, Fringe weapons that they have collected over the seasons against the observers and against the loyalists to, 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 to continue to get the pieces of the plan that they need to stop the observers uh, from, 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 from achieving their grand plan. So I really like that the things that they, that the things that they stopped in earlier seasons are now helping them in this final season. I thought that was really, really unique. As far as the Lance Reddick thing is concerned, or Agent Broyles is concerned, like, when I when I first saw him pop up in this episode, I was like, dude, again? 
Like, 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 where do your loyalties lie? Because it seems that every time, every time, it seems that every time uh, uh, the Fringe team's back is against the wall, for some reason, the Fringe writers seem seem to like to make bros look like a bad guy. I'm like, why do they do that? Like, like, it, it just, it just, it's kind of pisses me off. His makeup job doesn't bother me as much as it does you, but I do see it on him, and I'm like, why do they do that? Like, I, I, I have no idea. Do you, like, like, do you know why they do that? I think it was just because they wanted to show that everybody else has been preserved in amber and time moved on for him, but it's not, it's not working. <laughs> and I just like having Broyles always be this guy that we can't trust or can we trust starts to feel repetitive because they've played that card before. So like, as you said, it's great to have him back, but I almost wish there was a more effective way to use him than the way that they have chosen to. But everything else that's going on around him is interesting because whenever we want to hang out with Broyles, we are by proxy spending time with Windmark so we can see where the observers are in their plan versus what Team Fringe is doing so that when finally they do come together at the end, we, we've we expected that this is escalating in that way because we get to cut back to the observers because we have an in because Broyles is with them. So I thought that that's a way to, to make it more organic to the show to put him in with them rather than just cutting to these awkward observer only scenes but i'm still i'm still torn on i thought that this is the best episode of this season so far it's very fun and it has big stakes and it moves the story forward i still hate that this is the story that they decided to tell for the final season of fringe not much so far is changing my mind on that and I'll elaborate more when we get to the next episode that a lot of these retcons and the way that they are just going all in on this concept. I appreciate the gusto. I appreciate the balls it took, but I fucking, this was the wrong play. I hate everything about this choice, but this episode is a great episode. And part of it is because you mentioned when Walter watches the tape and he realizes, oh, I know where I've hidden my stuff. But I have a great idea. Before we go and get the stuff, we're going to go and we used to investigate fringe cases of the week. Well, now let's create a fringe case of the week. And them going through this room where he has everything stored. And it reminds us about the porcupine guy. We see the window to the other side. I love all of that. I think that that is fun. That's playing on everything that we know about fringe. It's reorienting the stuff that we know and putting a twist on it and having our team be the ones who have to use this stuff as a weapon is something that they don't normally do. They usually do it to save the day and not actually in a terrorist plot. So the fact that, you know, and Walter's up to his old tricks where he eats the jelly and it's disgusting, but I love that they realize we have to become the thing that we used to hunt down to get the next stage of our plan and they decide that the one that they're going to use is the weird toxin that turns everybody into neo trying to make a phone call in the matrix where your orifices get covered up and you can't speak and i love that when they go to to use that walter gets electrocuted and he's calm and cool and he's like you just electrocuted me 
you son of a bitch. And then he unleashes the toxin on the checkpoint so that they can get through to get to the subway station. So what are you thinking when now Team Fringe is the one creating a Fringe event to get through the checkpoint with the observers? I love that. I think it's a really, really unique way to use things that, like I mentioned before, things that the Fringe uh, uh, team in past seasons uh, uh, caught to protect the world, but now they can use these weapons that you know, you know, that they collected in in previous seasons against the against the you know, you know, you know, against the oppressive force that they're dealing with in this final season vis a vis the observers. I think it's a I, I think it's a really good idea because um, up until this point, I, f- I really feel that our beloved French team has sort of been behind the eight ball. And this is the first episode that I really think that they have really made. I mean, I'm not saying that they I'm not saying that they haven't made some forward momentum already. But this is the first episode where I really see them moving forward and really taking an initiative and, and, and really, really taking it to the observers and the loyalists in this episode. And a part of that is using these weapons that they used to, the, the, um, uh, they used to collect uh, to save the world against the observers and the loyalists. So I really like the forward momentum of this episode. The other thing that I really like about this episode is that there is a really, really short... Well, it's not short. There's a really good scene between Etta and Olivia in this episode in the warehouse, sort of uh, detailing about how Etta uh, came to have her necklace, how she came to have um, the bullet that came out of Olivia's head. And I thought that that was a very, very, very touching scene, that the only reason that Etta wanted to have the bullet is because she wanted something to feel closer to her mother at the time. So I found that scene to be very, very touching. Also, I really like how in the, you know, in the, in the, in the past few episodes, the observers have been asking questions about who is this, who is this blonde girl, right, right? The observers keep, the, the, the observers have kept, you know, inching closer to finding out who she is. And in this episode, they really, 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 they, 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 they discover who she is. And Etta is sort of put front and center in this episode in ways that I thought were amazing and really frustrating and really sad. Yeah, I think, as you said, the the necklace thing was really interesting. So Peter risks his life to get another chain because he loves his daughter and wants to give her this thing. And in the conversation, we find out that, you know, Peter call it called the bullet the bullet that saved the world. And that is why Etta wears it to feel closer to her mother. And I thought that family dynamic starting to rise to the forefront was very interesting. And I like how they centered Edda in being more instrumental in being the one who can teach people how to not be read, that she is actually doing a lot more for this resistance than we know. And as this is all happening, they get a message that the lab has been compromised. And I like that the observers start to to move because they were doing like an interrogation and they find out from this guy who's a member of the resistance about the dove and they go to attack the lab. But Team Fringe is one step ahead and they re-amber the lab. So when the observers show up, they're like, our intel must have been false because this lab is just an ambered lab. And 
I thought that was cool that we see the observers make progress. We see how the resistance can keep one step ahead because they actually have some intel of their own. But then I was also super frustrated in this moment where it was great that they like found a way to not be detected. But we have been unearthing these videotapes, which are like a key to the the thing that we basically a video game side quest where we got to get five videotapes. And we had two videotapes that we were like about to grab. And now we have ambered them and we've got to start excavating fresh anew. And I'm like, for real? Fuck you. <laughs> like, I hate I hate that. And so as they part of the reason why the videotapes are still important is because when they are in the subway and they get the plans that Walter has hidden in the subway in a grate to make sure that those pinko commies don't find his shit, they unfurl the plans and it's in the observer's language and nobody can read it. So we've got the plans that can stop the observers, but they are useless because we don't read. (laughs) And I was so frustrated in that moment that, okay, now we still need to do these side quests to somehow decode this plot before we can actually put this into action. So again, a bunch of the plot of this episode felt like two steps forward, two steps back. So as much as we got closer to being able to deal with this, well, we're only on the fifth episode out of 13, so we have to walk it back a little bit. That was frustrating to me, but then we get the big action finale where... You know, our team reunites with Broyles, but the car was tracked. And so the observers start teleporting to the spot. We have to run. And then it's everybody scatters, which is like one of those frustrating. Why did everybody split up? This is stupid. You guys are idiots. Widmark catches Edda and Widmark and Edda have this scene where he's trying to figure out why she is so important and why Peter would risk everything to get this necklace that's just this stupid thing. And then he concludes, of course, oh, well, I guess it's love and how dumb that it would just be love. And we're supposed to melt. And then Etta fights back, thinks that she has the upper hand, but Widmark shoots her. And (laughs) this is the dumbest, dumbest part. He shoots her and then he leaves and he goes (laughs) and he goes outside and he meets up with his observer buddies and they're like, what's going on? He's like, oh, I killed that one. And it turns out they did all this for love. And they're like, for love? Well, then they're probably going to go back for her. And he's like, oh, damn, why did I leave? Why did he leave? That made no sense. He should have stayed with the body because if he knew that it was love, then of course, everybody else is going to come to her. So I know that Fringe is playing it for this very emotional scene. And that is when everybody discovers Edda is dying. But I'm going to be the cold, heartless one on this podcast today because we haven't spent enough time for me to give a a shit about Etta at all. So we've only known this person for six episodes total. Killer. I don't care. Seeing Peter and Olivia broken up about it hurts a little bit, but I know that we're going to find a way to undo this future and make this whole shit never happen because we've been hinting that anything like this can be undone and has to be undone. So because I don't care about Etta and I don't particularly love this version of Peter and Olivia in the future, not being the couple that I enjoy, it's really 
asking a lot of me to get emotionally invested in these final moments because I'm like, just get on with it. She's gone. Okay. By episode 13, we're going to find a way to snap our fingers and be back in that park. And none of this will have happened. Just get on with it. I know Marcella, you love Etta. So are you crying as all this shit's going down? Yeah, I look, 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 look. When uh, when our French team met up with Broyles and they realized that Broyles' car got tagged and they sort of go into the warehouse. And like you said, they go into the warehouse. Look, in the, in, the, in the process of all the observers showing up and trying to wrangle them all together, when they go into the warehouse, I'm, and, and, and you said it, I'm like, why the fuck are these people splitting up? Why, why does that always happen in movies and in TV shows? Why do people split up? People don't understand that you have a better chance of survival if you stay together, people. Stay together. Do not split up. And when, um, uh, as, the, as the scene progresses, when Edda is by herself, listen, I knew that this was coming, but that whole scene between when Mark and Edda, to me, was just really, really, was, was heartbreaking because, um, like you, uh, unlike you, I love Edda, and I really... Um, I you know you know I really fell for her character because I I I, um, I really liked the actress who, who who played her I thought I thought the actress did a did a did a great job with what she was given, um and I just like Etta I just like the character of Etta, so watching her uh um try to you know watching her try to resist during during her final moments of life was very very distressing to me because I was like look she she had to have known that her life was coming to an end. But despite that, she was still fighting. She was still, she was still clawing. She was still trying to, 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 to get the upper hand, even though she probably already knew that she was fucking dead. I love what happens when, when Mark reads Etta's mind and he comes to the conclusion that, oh, the reason why Peter, you know, Rissa's life is because of love. And I, I, I thought that was cheesy, but I, I bought it. And uh, lastly, when Woodmark shoots Etta and he leaves a building like you, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, you idiot? If, 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 you, uh, if you just concluded that uh, uh, love is a really important thing to these people, don't you think that they're going to come back for the body? Come on, why, why'd you leave? Why did you leave? I understand where you're coming from because Etta was with us for too short a time. Look, I bought into her character, but if she was played by anybody else, I wouldn't have bought into her. Um, and, and, and I do think that I do think that she should have stuck around a little bit longer um, uh, for us to feel that emotional punch of, of her ultimate fate. But like you said, uh, uh, even with her death in this episode, we do, uh, we do realize that none of this is going to matter because they're going to fix everything. So it's like, so I'm like, why did the writers decide to tell this story? Because the writers had to have known that the audience was smart enough to understand that anything that happens here doesn't count because in the end, the fringe team is going to find a way to fix it. So again, I don't know why the writers decided to tell the story in this manner when it's kind of it, it's kind of in, it's kind of inconsequential with anything that, with anything with anything that they do in this story because they're going to fix it in the end anyway. Yeah, I just feel 
if they had hit and they hit the opposite thing. So I feel like if somehow in the story we had talked about how there was no going back and somehow they knew that whatever they would do, it wasn't like we were going to be able to undo anything that happened here. But when they watch the videotape, Walter says on the videotape that all you must accept that you can reverse all phenomena, all phenomena can be reversed. And so that's early in the episode planting in our mind that, well, the phenomena of the observers coming on that day can be reversed. So I, I think that they, they undercut their own story by putting that scene in this actual episode. And I want to make it clear. I like Georgina Haig. I think she's good, but I think that the way that they've written Etta and I don't, I don't need her to be cracking jokes all the time, but I needed something more endearing to get me really on team Etta rather than seeing this kid with mommy and daddy issues, who's a cold blooded killer who, you know, is distant and doing all this stuff. It's tough for me to buy in because I really feel they were counting on our love for Peter and Olivia carrying over just be by proxy. But the writing of the character hasn't given me much to actually dig in. So I think the performer is doing everything she can, but I feel like it's written as a low charisma character and they try and play it as if she's some inspiring leader that they are then going to put on posters. But I don't see that in any of the interactions that she has had, even with people from her own time. So that's the thing that if this had happened in episode nine instead of episode five, and we had found a way to build up Edda with her own people. Let me see. Let me see the backdoor dealings of her with the resistance and how they are plotting and how integral she is to this movement. Show it to me. Don't just tell me that, you know, somebody knows that she's the head of something. Show me her being endearing with other people from her time. Show me how inspiring she is to them. Let her have a best friend other than Desmond's disembodied head, a best friend who feels that, you know, she is the future of humanity, something to get me in on the ground floor on this character. And then when you take her away after me getting to know her as a person and not just as an idea, as the daughter of Peter Bishop and Olivia Dunham, then when you take her away in episode 10, I'm crying and I'm thinking we have to undo this or I'm going to hate this show. But here I'm like, I don't even care if they undo this. Just take me back to that hospital at the end of season four. And I will be more than happy if we just reset everything. And this lady doesn't even exist. So I think that's sort of the wrong feeling. But again, as I said, this is my favorite episode of this season so far. I think that in terms of what they are doing with the action and the excitement, it's all really well constructed. I just hate that this is the road we have gone down. And we keep having these moments of convenience where Winmark walks away and then realizes he never should have walked away. And when he comes back, Etta hasn't done anything to hide that detonator. And so he sees that there's a few seconds left. And one of the things we have allowed the observers to all of a sudden do is teleport wherever they want. As And so, of course, he teleports away at the last second. So she does take out a bunch of observers and the building but not the head bad guy. So her sacrifice isn't as meaningful as it could have been, which is 
again, just a convenience because we can't kill off the big bad in episode five, which got me really frustrated going into the next one. We move on to the final episode that we're going to talk about this week. The episode is entitled An Origin Story. Now, this episode, again, I'm sorry, guys. I'm really getting hung up on some certain shit. Finding out through this, I love this idea that what the observers are doing is they are opening these wormholes to the future and bringing this technology through. This technology will make our air garbage. And in doing so, in degradating the air, it'll actually make it so that humans' lifespan is only about 45 years. So it will kill everyone off quick so that the observers can just own the planet. And people will only last... 45 years, then they'll die off. So it's catastrophic for us as a species, but it makes sense because the observers have evolved beyond. But as this episode goes and we find out what we thought we knew, the observers were more advanced. They evolved beyond humans. They were a team of scientists who went back to view these critical moments. That's all true, but also one of the things that gives them their powers is not actually evolution. It's a combination of they have evolved, but also technology that allows them to tele- teleport and it gives them super strength and all this bullshit. And it's just this little matrix like bug that is in the base of your skull. And we could possibly take it out and stick it into our own skull and maybe get some sort of observer powers. What the fuck show am I watching, Marcella? What is this shit? I, I did not like that story angle with the observers i i wouldn't necessarily call it a redcon i always thought that the observers were a highly evolved version of us and by that understanding at least at least by the way that i look at it those individuals if they are indeed us wouldn't need technology to make themselves the way that they are they would have gotten that way by just standard evolution. So they wouldn't need a chip in the in the base of their skull to make them special and to make them everything that they are. So that little retcon, when 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 I saw a pop up in this episode, I thought that was more J. H. Wyman writing something in because he just had to. Um, but but I but I don't necessarily like what he did there. I, I I'm not as angry as you are about it, but I'm like, uh, oh, all right, all right, all right. The one thing, the the one thing that I will say is that I really loved Joshua Jackson's performance in this episode because last episode, you know, we we, we lost Etta, and I think that for some reason, I mean, I'm, I'm I mean, you guys can call me heartless. Uh, you you probably will after I say this. I think that Etta's death hit Peter harder than it did Olivia. Okay, now you can call me a monster, guys. Because it it seems to... I mean, uh, Olivia seems to be holding herself together a little bit better than Peter is. Peter's emotions throughout this entire episode are on his face in everything that he does. And he's just looking for a way to get back at the observers for, uh, uh, for you know, you know, you know, for taking his daughter away from him. And his interrogation of this one observer that the uh, that the resistance caught, I thought was fascinating. It was just it was just great. 
and, and the way that and the way that Peter thinks that he is reading the Azurber's mind by looking at his pupils, uh, you know, it's just great. But that but that end scene when uh, or, or 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 that scene close to the end when Peter takes out the the chip from the Azurber's neck and decides, hey, I'm going to put this in my neck and hopefully I get like them. Uh, I thought was a bit of a stretch for sure. And you know what? So here's the thing. I, I liked a lot of this episode, despite me not loving that. I also think, again, it's just the way that the story is being doled out to us, that this is the halfway point of the season. And I'm just finding out that this implant can be taken out and possibly put into someone else. I would have actually liked earlier in this season, if we knew about this implant and when we are trying to kill observers to take them down, Peter and company were ripping these fucking things out of the back of their head, Patrick Swayze and Roadhouse style, so that we see them destroying these implants so that more observers can't populate with this technology or something. Something that we already would have known that this was a vital piece of technology and some sort of Achilles heel of the observers that maybe if we were to short this technology, they wouldn't have the same powers. So I feel like if we had this information earlier and team fringe in trying to take down observers was actually trying to find a way to like corrupt this technology to take away that part of their advantage, I would have enjoyed this more and it wouldn't have felt so out of left field when Peter makes the decision he makes. If they had found a way to really make it a key part of the observer mythology, even just as far as the beginning of this season, because I don't think this is something that has been in the works for four seasons. So I just wish that they had given it to us and made it more important earlier so that it doesn't feel like they broke the first five episodes and now they broke the back half of the season and they came up with this new thing. I do like when most of the episode is Peter interrogating one of the observers they have captured, because as you said, Joshua Jackson gets to do a lot with his face. And it's because him and the observer are both filmed in very tight close-ups for a lot of their interactions. And that, other than calling attention to some of the observer makeup being a little bit iffy in high definition, uh, really does allow Josh Jackson to do a lot with just, you know, a wrinkle of an eye or, you know, an intense stare without having to go big. He doesn't have to go full Pacino to get a lot of this emotion through. And so I really like that. And they want to retroactively make me care more about Etta because now that she's gone, we see her on the resist posters. So they are finally trying to make it seem like she is the linchpin of the resistance, which why weren't you doing that five episodes ago? They make Olivia watch the video of her birthday to try and again, make this hit more of the emotional stuff that it didn't previous. And it's like, why weren't we watching this when she was alive so that when she was taken away, it hit harder. They are putting in the work, but they're putting in the work after they already handed in the paper. So it's making me mad that we're doing everything we needed to do, but we already handed in the assignment. Pencils are down. Why are you guys doing the work that would have made it much more impactful? So I just feel that in plotting of this season, they have the right building blocks, but they have put them in the wrong order. And I'm getting increasingly frustrated with that. But I do like the technology aspect, the 
finding out more of what the Observer's overall plan is. And when Team Fringe thinks they have the upper hand, they don't because Peter unfortunately got too cocky and thought he knew better than he actually did. And then that leading him to the most extreme measure at the end, which I know at the time set off a lot of message board theories about, you know, is this going to turn Peter into an observer? Is Peter going to inadvertently become the first observer? Because we know that Walter sent machines parts back and was actually the first guy to send the machine back. And he was the start of the first people is fringe playing that card again, where something that's happening in the future is actually going to be the domino that sets all this shit wrong in the past. Is that running through your mind as Peter shoves the thing into his back of his head? Or is that something that you think the fans were just running wild with at the time? I think, well, first of all, if, if the fringe writers had an inkling to, to, to use this Peter story in a way to, make Peter the first observer I thought um I think that I think that that would have been really cool also it would have been really really cool and it would have been really sad to see Peter go through all this and become, become an observer and then to see him become bad and then to have a uh, to have Olivia have to kill him which would be really awful I do think that um that in this episode I I, I do think that um Peter went a little bit too far. And I do think that he should have leaned on Olivia and his choice to go sort of rogue and question this observer by himself. And to do what he did was sort of, I think he did it out of grief. And I, and I don't think that he was fully, I don't think that he was um, thinking the consequences through of what he was doing. Also, I really love that moment when I, I think uh, I think it, the the moment is between Walter and Olivia when uh, you mentioned that in this episode there's a moment when Olivia watches a video of Edda's birthday when she's a little girl, but Walter is the one that gives her that tape, and the 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 speech that Walter gives Olivia when he gives her the tape is really good. He basically says, for you to get over this grief, you need to find a way to, to, to deal with it together. Because if you deal with it apart, it's going to kill you. So I really love that he had that tiny moment with Olivia. And another thing that he says in that moment, um, he says, I know exactly what you're feeling right now. And I'm like, he does. Because... He lost a version of Peter before, so he absolutely he absolutely knows what it feels like to lose a child. This episode played with canon and established canon in ways that were kind of iffy to me, and uh, I didn't really like. Yeah, and I think as much as I sound, and I know that people are going to be like, this guy hates this. Uh, I thought that, obviously, I said episode four was the best episode of this season so far. This one is a step down, but we're not talking the boring get me out of here levels of episode three, the recordist that we talked about last week. So I do think the story and the season is moving in the right direction, but I still just have in the back of my mind that if this was any sci-fi show and this was the first season of any random sci-fi show, I'd probably be into it. I'd probably think it was kind of cool, this futuristic war with these people and whatever. But this is the fifth and final season of a show that I have invested a lot of time into. 
that was never this dystopian future taking down the establishment. And so I just really have a lot of, a lot of baggage that I can't move past to get on board with where this story is currently. And I'm hoping that as we get into the end game in these next seven episodes or whatever it is, that they will find a way to win me over, pull me back in so that when it's all over, I say, you guys did it. I was wrong this time. You guys found the way. High five. Great decision to do this as the fifth and final season. But as I said, when we did our season four finale, from my recollection, although I have not watched this final season of Fringe since it aired, the Blu-rays have been sitting on my shelf collecting dust for 10 years. My memory is that I wish Fringe had just called it a day at the end of season four. So I'm hoping that in a few weeks from now, when we talk about an enemy of fate, I will have changed my tune, but we will have to wait and see. I think that'll do it for this edition of Radio 815. Listen, guys, if you like anything that we do here on the show and you want to reach out to us with comments or questions or what have you, there are several ways to do that. First, you can just reach out to us on Twitter by simply using the hashtag uh, Radio 815, or you can reach out to us on our personal Twitter account it's jj universe 815 or you can reach out to me on my personal twitter account uh it's i'm at creek fanatic 88 but matt if the good folks at home want to reach out to you to talk to you about anything at all what would be the place for them to do that on twitter at matt crandall all right guys so until next time thank you so much for listening and as i often say we'll talk back soon Radio 815 is a Balloonhead Productions presentation in association with Killer Newt Productions.